This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. That beautiful introduction. <laughs> so, who's your mama? <laughs> when you think about when you think about lineage and qualities that we have, our, I said mama, but it's dad as well. You know, our parents are formative in who we grow to be. Sometimes, you know, we have to in reaction to what they gave us, but other times it's just the beauty of who we are shows up in ways that are undeniable. There are, you know, certainly our looks. You look at at people's children or their parents, and you can say, yeah, yep, I see the resemblance. But far more important than our looks are the talents that we carry forth, are the, um, the values that we have, the interests that we have. Like, if I think about my own family, my dad was, um, he was a dancer, and he wanted to be an actor. And those are two traits that I see coming down the, the line. So when my girls were in middle school, I think in particular, which was kind of across the street from where we lived, before they got home, I had the music on and I was doing all this dancing, like, you know, with arms out. And, and they would come in the door like, Oh, everyone could see you, Mom. <laughs> and yet today, both of them like dancing. It's a part of their life. My granddaughter, who's two, she walks in the door and says, play Baba, which is Bob Marley. And as soon as Bob Marley comes on, she's dancing away. And I thought, wow. You know, my dad, when I said he was a dancer, he used to win dance contests with his sister. And he, he, I remember him coming to um, a party that I was at when I was 16, and he said, oh, so we cha-cha-cha, or, you know, he was, or maybe the twist. And I, I'm like, 16, my dad is not cool. But, he's, <laughs> but he was dancing, you know? So that's a thread that goes all the way through. Um, the acting thing, as you might have noticed, I'm not particularly shy on stage. Um, you know, it, it goes down with my oldest daughter was in some plays. I can still picture her. Um, the younger one was in plays as well. And uh, my grandson, Nolan, has got, he comes with us often to plays at Cascade Theater or beat productions. And, and the last one that he went to, he, he came out and he says, I want to do that. So it's, you know, there again, this acting thing comes down the line. There, um, another thing that comes down, Nolan was, he was working us about something, and, you know, we we're just commenting about this kid is good at manipulating. And I said, he's just like his mom. And so my husband said to me, where do you think she got that from? <laughs> And I thought about her father, and I thought, no. <laughs> There's only one place that one came from. 
and and I think about my dad, you know, and but what happens is in the beginning it's unrefined and as as it goes along, like a lot of people have talked about when they're talking to me, you know, oh no, no, I'm too busy, says Rochelle. And it's like, great, you can be a platform host. <laughs> in, and it, I think of it as kind of sales. It's, it's recognizing how you match what the needs are of myself or the organization or whatever with the, the real needs of somebody else. And it's not forcing them to do something they don't want to do. It's, it's helping them to see it in a different way so that they realize, oh yeah, this is a fit. So that's something that I see in myself for sure. My dad was an amazing salesman. My daughter won an award for telemarketing when she was in high school. So I don't know where Nolan's going with this one, but <laughs> the lineage is clear, <laughs> so watch out. <laughs> Um, there were values too, like in my family, the values were spirituality, religion, it was called in those days, but it was like your relationship to God mattered. It was the most important. Education mattered. There was never a question of, you know, would you go to college? It's which college are you going to? And, and you know, your homework needed to be done and so forth. Um, and family. So one of the things that I see that, that really stuck with me, I remember this time my mom died when I was young and then um, my dad remarried a couple of years later and w they went on to be four more kids in our family. And my grandmother, my, my own mother's uh, mother, just never I don't know, she maybe never recovered from the grief of losing her daughter. And, you know, I have compassion for that. I don't know how I would cope with that. But what, what she did that was not worthy was she discriminated against the children. And so she would, like, she'd take the four oldest ones that were her grandchildren out to dinner. And then she'd send us home with cupcakes, four cupcakes, and the two-year-old didn't get a cupcake. Now, she might have been too young to go out to dinner, but she was not too young in those sugar-loving days to have a cupcake, you know? And so she would do things like that. And I, I remember the day that my dad called a big meeting, and my grandparents were there, and all of us were there, and he laid down the law, and he said, either you treat them all the same. You give them all whatever it is you're doling out or none. It's all or none. This is one family. And that, that value has stayed with me all my life. So when I look at this community, it's like it's all one family to me. There, there are no people that are on the outside. When I think about families, like when Jeff and I got married, he has one daughter, but now she's my daughter. Even though she has a mother of her own, it doesn't matter. That's my concept of family. It's like, yep, bring them in. They're all, they all are part of it. So these are strong values that come down a lineage. And each one of you have got your own. The things that you learned from your family. 
even if it's something you've learned by saying, this is not happening, I, it stops here, this legacy, and I'm gonna create my own. It's still following through from what you learned as a family. So in this setting, we don't wanna just talk about what we got from our parents. We need to think about who really is our parents spiritually. And that comes down to source. We are emanations of the creative source from which springs all that is. You can call that Father, Mother, God, but I always, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that because immediately you've got a great father and a great mother up in the sky, and, and God is not a person. It's a source, it's an energy, it's, it's a principle. It's something that creates, and we are expressions of that. And so that has consequences. If that is a force that from which comes love, from which comes life, we have that as our lineage. There, in unity, we talk about 12 powers. And these are just 12 powers that Charles Fillmore, the, one of the founders, defined. But they're probably not all the powers that are there. But 12 is a good number to work with. <laughs> let's, let's start with those. For example, there's strength. That's one of the powers. Have you ever had a day when you feel like, oh, I can't even get out of bed? Or I've got to do this thing. I've, I've got to go you know, tell somebody at work I have to have a hard conversation. Or I have to have a hard conversation with somebody in my family. And, and you wonder, how am I going to do that? So. What we're saying is you can draw on the strength that is innate in each one of us because of the lineage. We are from that force that creates. When you have to come up with an idea and you don't know what, where are you going to get an idea from? You need a great idea for whatever this is that you're doing. Where is that going to come from? How about the source of all creation? If you, if you think of yourself as a chip off the old block, and that's the block, anything is possible. If you're, if you're dealing with somebody that it's kind of hard to love this person, we all, we all know a few people like that, right? Whether it's in this moment when I'm really not very happy with you, or it's in general because how you're doing your life just doesn't meet my approval. Lo love can be hard. And it's hard if we think it comes from us, from the small us. But if we lean back into our lineage, if we tell ourselves that, yes, I, I can't help but be love, 
because that's what I'm created from. Think about right now, what's something in your life that's a challenge for you? And then, if you take whatever that challenge is, and you start to think about it from the perspective of, wait a minute, who's your mama? You're just like that creative force. You're just like that great mother, that great father. You're just like that. You've got this, whatever this is for you. You've got it. Now just close your eyes for a minute and imagine, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can do this. It's empowering, isn't it? Power is actually one of the 12 powers. It's another word for it is dominion. It means I claim rule over this. Whatever this thing is that's going on, I'm over that. Because I am not my small ego. I am the largeness of life. <clears throat> when we think about <clears throat> what does that look like to really embody our divinity, Jesus is a great example of that. In unity, we don't think of Jesus as somebody to be worshipped. We don't think of him as a one-off. We think of Jesus as an elder brother, a way-shower. So some of you have older siblings. Some of you have more than one kid. If you have had that experience, you know what it's like when there's an older sibling. Like I remember when my oldest daughter was three and she had just mastered the art of the somersault. And so she gets down on the floor to show my husband and I what she has learned. And we all cheer for her, what an accomplishment. And then her one-year-old sister, who's been watching this very carefully, gets up and does a somersault. <laughs> and David and I were thinking, huh, well, maybe if we'd been doing more somersaults, Rachel would have learned this earlier. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we actually weren't doing many somersaults in those days. <laughs> so, but that's, you know, that's the upside of having siblings. You get to learn things from them, some not so great and some great. <laughs> but... So if we look at the life of Jesus, and there, there certainly are other great teachers that we could think of in this realm too, but if we just look at the life of Jesus and say, well, how did he live? He knew who he was. And not only did he know who he was, he knew who we were. So people would come up to him and they'd say, you know, this thing is wrong with me. And he would look at them, and he would see only the godness of them, the life of them. 
And he would just say, we're not going to look at that thing. Get that out of here. And the illness would be gone. They would be whole. Because his powerful vision, his knowing who he was, was so strong that it took that out of the play. We have that power. We can look at other people with those eyes and see the perfection that they are. When we pray, that's what we're doing because all of us forget. We forget who we are. We forget what is possible. And if we remind one another we can step into a more empowered space. We can eliminate the obstacles. It's like a couple of weeks ago when Ananda was here and he was talking about Ganesha and that energy of just moving obstacles out of the way so that something more creative can come through. It's the same thing. That's what Jesus did. He said, no, 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 move it out of the way. That's what we do in prayer. And if we do that, remembering who we are, remembering the lineage that flows through us, then we will have that power. Jesus said things like, put God first. Put your attention there. Don't put your attention on the material realm where things change. Put your attention on the kingdom of heaven. That means the fullness of life, the expression of source, that it's perfect. Put your attention there and everything else falls into place. That was his message. So that's the older brother that we get to copy. Those are the somersaults we get to learn. And, it, and that happens when we pay attention. So we want to pay attention, whether it's to Jesus or another teacher that really sings to you. These, these enlightened ones are our elder siblings. And they help us to see how we could live, what we could create. It's so important that we do that. Another way to think about this, when we think about we are children of this whole cosmos, this, this creative force, is to think in terms of microcosms. So there is the all, and then there's us. Like you've seen that poster, you know, with the whole cosmos, and this dot, you are here, and, and the dot is planet Earth. You know, it's not even us. <laughs> we don't get a whole dot to ourselves. But the microcosm has all the qualities of the macrocosm. And so if we recognize ourselves as that, then everything that's out there that is noble and good, we can claim 
I was watching my two-year-old granddaughter. We looked at the, um, out on the porch when it was snowing. We turned on the light, and we're looking at the snow, and she says, Hazy's snow. Hazy's shovel. You know, all the things that she could see out there were hers. And I thought, huh. Her mother laughed and said, yeah, I hear they're egocentric at that age, <laughs> but, which they are. And it's sort of an unconscious claiming of what later on we come round to recognize is truth. Everything out there is ours because it's all one. And so if we think about that's out there and I'm over here and there's a separation between us, then we start getting into lack. You know, oh, the money is out there. The opportunities are out there. The eligible bachelors are out there. <laughs> you know, it's, that's, that's lack thinking. But when we remember who we are, we remember that it's one family. When we remember that, then it's all right here. There's no separation. And we get to live in joy. We get to have power to create the life that we want. Myrtle Fillmore is the co-founder of Unity, and one of the things she said is manifesting the Christ. And when we say Christ, this is not Jesus' last name, even though they're often put together. The Christ is the template, the template of our own perfection. Like the divine had an idea of, wouldn't it be great to Christine? Wouldn't it be great to Dan? Wouldn't it be great to LaDonna? And into form comes the divine. So that's the Christ. Now, as we have experiences, sometimes we get ourselves separated from the Christ of us because we're looking at the material world. But when we look within to the kingdom of heaven, we begin to remember the template, the Christedness of us that's always there. Like following the blueprint is always an option even if you like to be Harold with the purple crayon going outside the lines and not following the blueprint. The blueprint, the Christ of us, is always available. So Myrtle says, manifesting the Christ is a matter of growth, and growth cannot be forced. So we must be patient with ourselves and with others that are beginning to find the path. So we don't expect Mabel back there to be able to run a marathon. She can walk, and if they would put her down, she'd be up here because she already likes the stage. I have seen evidence of that. But, but we don't expect too much of her. We don't expect her to do math. She will someday, but we... You know, we're patient. We allow that to unfold. And the same is true with all of us. 
as we think back on our lives, we can think back to when we couldn't do fill in the blank, and now we can. Or when we didn't understand fill in the blank, and now we can. So whatever, whatever it is that we are here to be, it's already inside of us, and it's just a matter of us unfolding with time. And that happens so much more readily when we're kind to ourselves, when we are patient with ourselves, when we have faith in ourselves, that this will all come to pass in perfect timing. I think we ought to bring Mabel up just to, <laughs> to lead us all in some giggling. Because at the end of the day, isn't that what we're here for? For joy? You know, cre creative delight? Yeah. So, namaste to Mabel and every one of you, children of the Divine Mama. <laughs>